Wizards fans, thanks for locking in to the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. On behalf of all of us here at the Off the Bench podcast, we want to wish you and yours a happy and safe holiday season. Today's episode, we focus in on the 37-year-old forward slash center, Taj Gibson. Taj has been a cornerstone in this league for a long time, and we sat down recently in Indianapolis to catch up on old times and look at towards the future of this basketball team as they're going through a little bit of a struggle now. Taj had some interesting comments about Kristaps Porzingis I think you will want to hear, and Taj also shares his story of how he got started at PS67 in Brooklyn, New York, and now how he's ended up being a member of the Washington Wizards. All that and so much more coming up on this episode of the Off the Bench podcast featuring Taj Gibson. Wizards fans, Capital One Arena partnered with Clear to help Wizards fans get into the games faster for free. Beat the crowds on game day and enter through designated Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. Download the free Clear app and get started today. Wizards fans, welcome to the latest episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller alongside the veteran Taj Gibson spending some quality time with us here. Mm-hmm. Where are we? What city are we in, by the way? Are we in Indiana. We are in Indiana. Um, I always start interviews by asking guys, when did basketball become a priority for you? Do you remember? How old? Where were you? Uh... I would think when I got about, I probably when I got to the eighth grade junior high school, I started really focusing up, realizing I may have a chance to go to school for playing basketball. Was it something that somebody told you, or is it something that you kind of figured out that basketball has a possibility of changing your life? I think I figured out my, on my own, because I was, I was chasing it, but then one day it just finally worked out for me. I got a call from a travel basketball coach in New York City, and uh, they were a world-renowned, the New York Gauchos, and it was, I went to a lot of tryouts, but when I didn't really have a tryout for that, this team, and they were coming to Brooklyn to pick me up and take me to games, it was like, it was just a 24-hour switch for me. That's crazy you said Gauchos, because I literally a couple of years ago did an interview with Rod Strickland Mm -hmm. at the gym mm-hmm. where the Gauchos play. Yeah. And he talked about, like, if you're young and they see it and you mm-hmm. got a chance, you play for the Gauchos. Yeah. So w- when do you remember your first time seeing them play? Uh, I remember playing, I remember seeing them play in the Bronx. It was at a little local tournament in the Bronx. But I remember them wearing uh, Elite and one gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back then, M1 was big. and. Uh, I just remember playing against them, and even though they didn't have all their top players, they still beat us. But the way they beat us, they had class, and you could tell they had structure in their organization. And I went home one day, and next thing you know, uh, a coach calls my parents. He was real polite. Um, they, we, we call them the twins. They called my parents real polite, and it was like, uh, we think your, chance, your son has a chance. Um, we know we're wearing the Bronx. And you guys live way in Brooklyn, but we we think it's a great opportunity for him to just start his career off and um, on the right track, and um, see see what he got. And how, how far is that from the Bronx to Brooklyn? Probably like an hour, probably an hour and hour and some change. 
from Brooklyn, especially if you not, don't have a car. I didn't have, we didn't really have a car. Most people in New York don't really have cars, so we, we would bus it or take the train. So my first couple times, I would they drove me up there, and then as time went on, I learned to take the train by myself and just have like a real um, hunger, understanding that this is what I have to do every day, after school, after practice, and that night they would drive me home. So it was it was a quickly overnight thing, and, and it kind of kind of guided me in the right direction. All right, having friends that are from New York, this is going to be the fun part of it. Mm -hmm. Describe the transfers. What train, what bus did it take for you to get from point A to point B? Luckily for me, I lived in downtown Brooklyn, so we had all the lines on the trains, but. Busting it, it would have took me probably three hours. It was it's, it was way in the Bronx, um, so I would just take the the five train. It was mostly like express, even though even even though it was express, it would still take me a solid hour to get there because of waiting and all the ups and downs. But it was tough because when I realized it at the time, I was like, it was just me and one other kid. We were the only two kids from Brooklyn on the Gauchos on that particular team, so. If you're from New York, you don't really understand it. Like, every borough is different. And when we would go up there, it would be completely, like, it would be completely different because I never really played with kids from Harlem, from the Bronx, um, Queens. The Gauchos had kids from all over. So it was, it was a great experience for me. But just that train every day, I had to be on my tiptoes just knowing, like, what's going on because it was still, it was still uh, real traumatic back then. The streets of New York was even worse. You've done a lot of traveling, yeah. And you go out to California. So you, first of all, let's go back to when you were okay. with PS sixty seven. Mm -hmm. You were there until your junior year. Um, until sixty seven was a public school, so that at the time they only went to this grade of six. Okay. So after the, in New York, um, you would have to go to junior high school somewhere, and they would uh, send you to send you to junior high school for two years for seventh and eighth grade. Okay. So. Um, after, for my seventh, eighth grade, I went to a school uh, somewhere in, in, in near Bed-Stuy, near um, Lafayette Gardens, 117 High School, junior high school. From there, I had a chance to, um, I had to wait because I didn't know where I would go, but the Gauchos, they, by the grace of God, they sent me to California um, with, a, with a, a good coach and uh, his name is uh, Gary Sims. He was in the um, documentary, Soul in the Hole for being known for being around a bunch of great basketball players where he just helped them get to prep school, junior college, whatever it took, because I didn't really know what was my plan at the time. But by the grace of God, he gave me a chance by working with the Gauchos and he sent me to California. Mm -hmm. And it's like a whirlwind. I, I, can, I can tell you like in the NBA, everybody's path is different. And when I say that, I really mean it because I went to California, it was a whole t culture shock. I'm 17 years old. I'm just trying to get to college. Um, I didn't know many people, but yet this man finds a great prep school for me to go to, Stonebridge Preparatory School in California, Simi Valley, and I'm there. And I'm, my whole goal is just focus on trying to get to college. I'm not thinking about the NBA. I'm not thinking about. I'm just thinking about getting to college, changing the changing the dynamic in my family, trying to be the first guy in my family to go to college. And it was, it was, it was tough. It was tough. Everything you want in your life is, is always going to be tough, but um, if you're solid, um, good things will, will follow you. And I was, by the grace, um, I was able to make it to USC. Uh, 
just, I don't know, man. It's a lot of, it's a big whirlwind. I was able to make it, uh, turning down some great offers, some great schools, uh, but USC out of all the places just fit me. And um, the rest is history. What was it about USC, especially for a kid from New York? I'm sure mm -hmm. you talked about adjustments. I mean, you mm -hmm. couldn't have more polar opposite places yeah. than the concrete jungle. And then you've got, you know, California that's mm -hmm. all about palm trees and so on. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was crazy because it was, a, I, it was a complete culture shock for me. Because coming from New York all the way to California and just changing the whole dynamic of my recruiting, because it was kind of two different playing styles. More of a getting out, getting open, athletic. New York was a guard-oriented, uh, uh, press all game. It was mostly ran by the guard. But when I got out there, it, was, it just worked out for me. I got another growth spurt. But SC just stood out for me because I remember Tim Floyd coming to my home. He didn't come with a bunch of recruits. He didn't come with uh, his staff, anything. He came by himself. He came in in the middle of the projects in Brooklyn, and he waited calmly, walked through the neighborhood, and then when his time came, he presented himself well, spoke really highly of himself, and he said, my job is to get you to the next level. Um, if, you, if you come, give me a chance. I'm, I'm, I'm going to USC. He said, I'm at USC now. I'm trying to change the, the culture, the, the, the dynamic of the game of basketball there. So if you if you open, I, I would love to have you. And I looked at him, and I said, yeah, let's do it. So this is after he was in Chicago. Yep. So he had the experience of the NBA, regardless mm -hmm. of what people think about yep. what Jerry Krause did in terms of hiring him, mm -hmm. and then the Scotty and Michael and that whole thing when yeah. it was going that last dance. But he did have a sense of what the NBA looked like. Yeah. Was that a part of his pitch too to you? Yeah, he just understood like I've been running NBA. I just want to just try to grasp, get a, a grip on you to try to just mold you. And uh, and push you. And um, from the day one, it it was exactly how we said it. He was exactly how we said it. But um, I had a great time at USC. It was bigger than basketball for me because I was able to uh, make a whole network of uh, meet a whole network of people from all cultures, all from around the world. Because it was a whole culture shock for me. I wasn't used to seeing uh, multiple different races and things like that. You'll see it in New York, but to be sleeping, uh, having like, uh, what is it? When you got study hall, you got different friends from different places uh, waking you up, coming coming to your dorm, making sure you get your stuff done, making sure they're in your, you're in your corner to help you with your paperwork, things like that. I never was a part of that growing up. So it was a big culture shock in a good way for me and it helped me in the right direction. It's the funniest thing, I'm having a flashback. I'm mm -hmm. thinking about Tim Floyd. And I actually covered Tim Floyd when mm -hmm. he was at Iowa State. Mm -hmm. And one of his best players actually reminds me of you. Who? Marcus Pfizer. Oh, I was a big Marcus Pfizer fan. It's funny to me, like now yeah. that I'm thinking about Tim Floyd, and I'm like, okay, I mm -hmm. can see that physical, mm -hmm. maybe undersized mm -hmm. four, yeah. whatever. I remember him. Marcus Pfizer, Jamal Tinsley, mm -hmm. Stevie Johnson, that team. And Jamal Tinsley was from Brooklyn. And that's like a full circle yeah. thing. It was like Tim Floyd, the circle of the tree. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's the whole, I was his whole pitch. He said, you know, I had, you know, we had some good players, you know. We, just give me a shot. I, 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 I'll make it my job and make sure I can do the best, um, bring the best out of you. And um, it worked out. <laughs>
it's just it's funny how life works. Like you grow up seeing your favorite players, you grow up coming across some of the coaches, and um, and right there, they're right there in front of you. And um, I don't know, it was like a real movie for me. And how ironic is it? Who'd you get drafted by in the NBA? Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Chicago Bulls. Yeah. That's kind of like a full circle thing. Yeah, it? full circle. Because then, um, as now that I'm, I've been in the league a long time, but we had a lot of um, Chicago scouts coming to the, the practice facility, constantly watching. Because at the time I was playing with Nick Young, um, and Nick Young was a he was a lottery pick for us before I got drafted. So he was bringing a lot of scouts to the to the facility. And I just remember Chicago constantly coming, Tim Floyd just talking to them. But Tim Floyd, he was he was just one of those coaches like he's like kind of like a father a little bit, the way how he handled it because he just understood how how much this would meant this meant to my family. So I really appreciated him for that. Hmm? So you play with Tibbs. Yep. I want to go back. Do you do you remember the it must have mm -hmm. been twenty fourteen mm -hmm. playoffs? Yeah. Against Washington. Yep. First round. Yep. I just set the table. I'll let you kind of finish the rest. Did you expect what you saw out of that team? Because I think you guys were favored in that that first round. Mm -hmm. Did we play? I think we played you guys. I think we played uh, that same team early in the year too mm -hmm. in Brazil. That's right. We had a training camp in Brazil, and um, I remember playing that same team Brazil. We beat them that that early in the year, but. I always had a feeling because every time we played played DC at the time, they had we noticed that they had a big lineup. They had some skilled uh, veteran bigs with young core talent and Bradley Bill and John Wall, and then you had Drew Gooden to come off the bench. You had who? Al Horford, not Al Horford. You had uh, no, no. Who, who, you, the name before that. Who did you say before that? Goody. Drew Good. I don't know that guy. Yeah, yeah. You, I know him. <laughs> I know him, but uh, yeah, a bunch of uh, man. I it was I was shocked. I wasn't shocked. I was just like, it was real humbling because we've been through the we've been through a lot when I was in Chicago. But then when that team just we couldn't phase them. They were mentally strong, physically strong, and mentally tough, and they deserved to beat us. Where were you when Jimmy and Nene got into it? I was right there. I was literally right there. And um, I just, for me, I just remember, because I constantly had the guard Nene, guard tap. I was just saying to myself, like, this dude is physically, like, this gifted. He's so strong, legit, 6'10", 6'11". And I was just like, wow, this is really the NBA. And I remember him, for him to get so mad, I was like, yo, Jimmy, what did you do to him? Because he got so mad. And I was like, yes, we need him thrown out. Yes, get him thrown out. But, yeah, I think we won that game. Yeah. Mike Dunleavy, I remember in that series, I think mm -hmm. it must have been like game three maybe, mm -hmm. had a great game. Mm -hmm. um, I, the reason why I brought that series up is because at that time, the NBA was a real physical mm -hmm. type game when you had two bigs, yeah. right? Yeah. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. It was you and Joakim, it was Gortat yeah. and Nene, and now the game is so free-flowing, like... Mm -hmm. You've been in the league for a while now. Yeah. Can you talk about just kind of the evolution of basketball in the NBA? Well, at one point it was like you got to think about the East. Um, you had two bigs, 
two bigs um, basically compass, like really just holding each other down. You had one team, for example, you had Washington, you had Gartat, you had Nene. Big lineup. Then you go down to Indiana, you had West Hibbert. Then you go to our lineup with Chicago at the time, you had Carlos Boozer, Joaquin Noah. And at that time, there were a couple bigs, maybe Dirk Nowinski, a couple guys stretch, stretch four, stretch five. And um, the main shot for the bigs was the, the easy 15-footer. If you can knock on the 15-footer consistently, consistently, you got a shot in the league. And if you can defend your position, get rebounds, a double-double, that was the main thing. Now it's it transitioned to now it's a plus if you can overextend your range, but they don't want you taking the 15, the 16-footer too much. But now that shot is even important now because a lot of teams are zoning up now. You just have to constantly be on a, your head on a swivel, constantly have your found, your foundation down, left hand, right hand, because now bigs now picking it up on full court. There's no two fives or two uh, four and five, a legit or old school way of two guys six eleven. Now it's a seven foot in the middle. And he's a a lob threat. The four now is a a wing, maybe a a three, but now he's a stretch four. So it's all about switching. Uh, back then, it was all. It's some switches, but now it's it's full it's it's full fledged. You gotta know how to guard one through five, literally, literally. I noticed in these last couple of games that we've played, it's almost like a full circle moment now, where Wes is mm -hmm. deploying you mm -hmm. and Gafford and mm -hmm. Porzingis and mm -hmm. putting two of the three of you guys out there yeah. at the same time. Well, the reason for it probably was in Charlotte. You guys were down 22, needed a spark. Mm -hmm. Down 25 against the Lakers, needed a spark. Mm -hmm. But if you just looked at the metrics and the numbers, mm -hmm. the defensive rating was off the charts. You clearly, you guys have figured something out with yeah. that lineup. What is it? Uh, we figured out we can switch. And um, guys just like playing with each other, like just covering each other's back, mm -hmm. having, having that one guy constantly, like, it's, we can move out. The bigs can, on our team of highly talented as far as moving their feet, being able to switch out. Uh, but now you just, you have to do it now. Um, you're looking across the league, a lot of guys now really can move their feet and really can play multiple positions. And I think Gaffers is one of those guys where he's only showing you a little glimpse of what he can fully do. I think with more, with more, um, what is it? What, what's the word I'm looking for? More of a, hmm. What's the word I was looking for? If you get more, uh, if coach puts more emphasis on him doing it, he'll do it. I got you. And I think that's what Wes is doing with a lot of guys now. He's putting the emphasis on, like, I need you. And um, I'm going to try some things, and uh, let's just try to get it done. And, and Gaff is one of the examples of just flourishing in that situation. What has surprised you being a teammate of Kristaps Porzingis that you might have not known just playing him a couple times in a year? He's a dog, man. He's he's tough. He's tough, man. He's super tough. Um, he's a dog. Um, just seeing the amount of uh, wear and tear he goes through. Just seeing, I seen him really uh, bang bang his body up a couple times. And he and, we, and when he went to the locker room, I wasn't even thinking like, ah, I don't know if he's gonna come back and play. Some guys may just wing it. Like I'm done. He'll come back. Like I'm here, guys. I'm I'm ready. I, I'm I'm still good. I remember I seen him like turn his ankle like before the game. I'm like, oh man, it looked bad. Like, like damn, he's done. 
he's like, ah, I'm all right. He'll tough it out, too, and still go out there and get some buckets. Like, I'm, I'm good. I got y'all. I'm here. I'm here. And I, I really, I really liked, I love that about him, that people really don't give him enough credit. Like, he's, he's a tough guy, man. But first thing first, he's a great teammate, man. Through the struggles that you guys are going through right mm -hmm. now, is it one game that you guys need that could turn it around? Is there something that you see tangible that mm -hmm. says all we need is get one and we mm -hmm. can turn it around? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just one win. Because when you when one thing about the NBA people seem to figure, uh, don't understand is every team is talented. It's just a small detail that really make a, a good team a great team. And when I'm around our guys, you got guys that get along with each other, have the mind of trying to go and do the right thing, but sometimes it doesn't pan out your way. He may have, sometimes, you, it's just the way game, the game is, but when you're winning, you're not really thinking about, oh, we're gonna win. When, when you're winning, you're gonna be like, all right, we got the next one, we got a chance to get the next one, next one. But when you lose a few games, it gets tough. It wears on you physically and mentally because you're like, man, let's get a win. And then you may get to that that breaking point where we got it, we got it, then it gets come short by like a second or maybe it's a one point and you're like, ah, oh, and then it may go for a couple of games and you have to be mentally tough. You have to put in even more work. It's it's a grind. I it's think about Chicago, man. One offensive rebound. Could mm -hmm. you get that one offensive rebound or those free throws down the street? Like, can we make these free throws? It's the little things. The like little, it's saying. always the little things. Maybe the free throws, maybe just the clock management, maybe because maybe realizing we're in the bonus. We're taking a little bit more uh, extra jump shots more than we should. Um, the list goes on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to find a way to win. I want to finish with this. It's an off-the-court question. Mm -hmm. If I say Wilbert and Sharon, mm -hmm. what comes to mind? Life. Life. Um, just life. Two, two young, just going back in time, two, two young, uh, two young strong people in love, um, that I'm thankful for. Without them, I'm not here. Without them, I'm not be able to be charged and, and run around and, and be able to embrace this culture of basketball, this culture of just life. So without them, I'm here. I'm not here. Appreciate your time, brother. By the way, we're speaking about his parents, if you're wondering. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, brother. All Appreciate right. it. Nah, ain't time. Thank you.